Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by my recruiting analyst, Jared Hallis, here from BeaversEdge.com. We're back with a season wrap-up edition of the podcast. Oregon State is back. The 2021 football season is complete following the L.A. Bowl uh, loss to Utah State. Jared and I will be breaking down that whole game, prepping you for the offseason, and uh, looking ahead to what's going to be coming up next at Beaver's Edge as we get into the winter sports season and ultimately uh, February signing day and spring football. But as Jared and I are recording this uh, just in advance of the holidays, Jared, how are you, my friend? Uh, you get all your Christmas shopping done. Oh, man, it's been it's been a journey. I, I'm Actually, I'd be lying if I said I was completely done. Um, so got a, a couple of very small things to, to pick up tomorrow, but – like I said, man, been a journey. It's been good. Uh, obviously, with, with signing day and the bowl games and, and all that going on, it's been busy. But happy to uh, happy to be back recording and you know ready to have a strong finish to the year. Without a doubt, and it's an exciting time. And and I must say, I I feel pretty good. I knocked out my final bit of Christmas shopping today as we're recording this podcast uh, on a Wednesday and uh, the Wednesday before Christmas and. It, it's like a it's like a great feeling jared when you know you're doing all your normal stuff you know you and i are both working we've got a couple jobs you know doing our thing and then you know you got to find time to you know make christmas shopping work when you get it done it's like the most like accomplishing feeling you're like it's, it's a weight lift off the shoulders you kick up the feet enjoy a glass of eggnog you're like okay i've almost made it yeah no no kidding it's gonna be it's gonna be a great christmas i'm excited for everybody to kind of have the opportunity to wind down after uh, a crazy December that it's been and really just a crazy last couple of weeks. So definitely with you on that one. Without a doubt. And uh, from all of us here at Beaver's Edge, we definitely want to wish you guys a happy and safe holidays uh, throughout the holiday season as uh, we uh, hope you guys are getting a chance to uh, spend some time with some loved ones and friends and hopefully uh, break down uh, what happened in that L.A. Bowl, Jared. Uh, the 24-13 uh, loss at the hands of the Utah State Aggies down there in SoFi Stadium. Jared and I are going to break it down in a bit of a new segment. We're going to each give uh, one thing out of a, a three-pronged trio. We're going to call it the good, the bad, the ugly. We're each going to give something that was good, something that was bad, and something that was ugly from that game. But before we dive into that, Jared, I just have to say, and, and I think some of the subscribers have definitely gotten a uh, gotten a taste from what I was able to provide content-wise over the weekend, but that stadium, Jared, made the experience like – Oregon State lost, and that was a big-time, like, bummer for going down there, but the stadium saved it for me. Is that a little selfish? No, no, not at all. you take, <laughs> got to take the positives from the situation. And like you said, I mean, obviously the outcome wasn't great, but at least you got to, uh, to enjoy some, some other things and, you know, enjoy the trip. Without a doubt. It was one of those things that, like, you know, you, you really felt like you were, you know, getting into a spaceship. And, and you know, I got a chance to link up with uh, um, Hard Rock and uh, Go Beef 77 and a couple other board members uh, down there uh, in Los Angeles. So shout out you guys. It was awesome to catch up with you guys. Uh, hopefully we're going to get a much bigger uh, kind of contingent once Oregon State gets going back to bowl games regularly. Jared, I know your presence was missed. They may have let you off the hook now. Next bowl game. I, I don't know if you're going to have a choice anymore, to be honest with you. Listen, there's a simple solution for this. Oregon State, Is there now? Is there absolutely, now? Absolutely. Oregon State wins about 10 games, gets the gets the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl bid. Y'all come <laughs> down to Atlanta. I'll be there in 30 minutes. 
See, I like that. See, the thing was, if it had been a bowl game that was maybe middle of the country, I think we could have twisted this guy's arm to come in, folks. But you know when it was in L.A. and, you know, we've talked about it at length, you know, the timing, and we'll maybe get into that as well. But the timing of the bowl game, you know, being right around signing day, Jared, it created for, you know, Jonathan Smith and Utah State's head coach, Blake Anderson, both said numerous times throughout the week, Jared, describing the week as chaos. If coaches are describing that week as chaos, you knew it was a pretty intense week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can only imagine how the coaches and the, the, you know, the, the players were feeling just going and, and still feeling probably, I mean, especially the coaches going from finishing, you know, doing the recruiting visits, finishing the regular season and, you know, getting on the road, doing all the in-homes uh, and stuff like that to, ink in the class, having signing day to immediately, you know, not even turning things over because they were already obviously really focused on the bowl. Um, but definitely the the timing of things to now having Christmas, I mean, it's it's certainly been crazy for them. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. And and, and you could just kind of tell it was it was a lot. And, you know, we're obviously going to dive right into that game. Again, Utah State takes down Oregon State 24-13 down there in SoFi Stadium. Oregon State obviously had this spectacular start you know, just coming out the gates, just firing. They jump out to that 7-0 lead. And, you know, from there, it just – it became a struggle. You know, it became the game of Oregon State in the first minute and then Oregon State for the rest of the minutes. And, you know, we've we've talked about it at length and broke it down, so we don't need to get too deep into it. But, Jared, let's go ahead and kick off this segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's, let's get the vegetables out of the way here. Start with the ugly – and I'm going to go ahead and say in this game, for me, the ugly, that's not scoring another offensive touchdown after looking like you were just ready to light, you know, light the stadium on fire, for lack of better terms, uh, with that quick drive. And then to only have six points uh, the rest of the way, that was my ugly from this game. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good ugly. And I think for a lot of people, that would probably be one of the first things that, that came to their mind as well. I mean, they came out so hot, um, and then to, to only score six for the rest of the game was was certainly certainly pretty shocking for me. I think the ugly is just going to be the second and third quarter, um, which is the the three quarters that Oregon or I'm sorry that Utah State scored all 24 of their points in uh, to Oregon State's three. So definitely a really rough stretch of 30 minutes of football there. It was kind of the the point where it was like all right 14-7 at the at halftime or sorry 14-10 you know we can we can deal with this and then to come out in the third quarter put up 10 more you're down 24-10 now um and then only to attack on one more field goal was, was was pretty ugly yeah that's a good one that's a good one and let me tell you jared that second and third quarter felt like about three hours up in that press box it, it, as on tv yeah just as you were just like organ like because Again, for lack of better terms, you know, I, I you know, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of get into this still. Oregon State gave themselves a chance, you know, for a long part of this game and weren't really out of it for quite a while. So you're just kind of like waiting and waiting and waiting. And it kind of just seemed like it never quite got going again. But as far as like the bad in this one, uh, I'm just going to go with inconsistency. And, you know, on both sides of the ball, it was just, it, it just kind of seemed like the Beavers, didn't quite have it. And that's what was the bad for me in this one, whether it was, you know, 
starting strong and then kind of disappearing for a few quarters or, you know, making some good plays on defense, looking lost on defense at others, um, offensive line blocking decently at times, not blocking and looking like skates on just like a whole bunch of inconsistent play. And I think that was kind of something that we hadn't seen a whole lot of for kind of an extended game. Uh, that That's where my bad is in this one. How about you? Yeah, that's a good. That's another. Uh, that's another good. Good conversation there. Mine is just going to be <clears throat> the 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 offense in general. Um, the thirteen points that were scored on on a defense that definitely was not good enough to only hold them to thirteen points, um, which I think you mentioned was the the lowest that they've scored all season. I, again, you you know, you look at the Utah State defense and what they've done throughout the year. Sure, it's a it's a it's a good defense, um, but it's certainly not one that should hold Oregon State's off offense to just 13 points so I I think that's just straight up bad and and there's no one really where you can point straight at and say this is the problem but the offense in general was bad 24 points is is not a, a bad effort from the defense um, I think that that's doing enough to, to keep you in the game if the offense is playing well uh, but again the offense played bad so that's that's gonna be it for me yeah without question and and, you know, you know, I, I'm probably going to be taking a bit of a glass half full approach to the, uh, the, the good in this. And I think, you know, this has been a, a conversation on the damn board that we've seen go back and forth. But I'm going to go out there with it anyway. The good for me in this game is, Jared, when you strip everything else away, Oregon State's defense allowing 24 points was enough for them to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I was saying – kind of about my bad. I mean, 24 is, you know, in most other games this season, that would probably have been enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, yeah. And that's where like, for me, the good becomes, you know, a lot of this, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, during, during the game, the conversation, it seemed to me like a lot of the blame was being thrown towards Trent Bray's way, which in reality, I could not have disagreed more with that, Jerry, because I look at a team in Utah state that scored a combined 91 points um, the two weeks before coming into uh, that game uh, over New Mexico and San Diego State. And San Diego State was a really good team. And, um, you know, I thought, like you said, under normal circumstances, Oregon State allowing 24 points on defense, I consider that good just for where Utah State was scoring. They were an explosive offense this year. And, you know, you can say what you want about Oregon State maybe not having – um, you know, it quote unquote, when the third string quarterback Legas came in, I get that, you know, that's, that's one of those, you know, shiners for lack of better terms, the black eyes you got to wear. And it never looks good to have, you know, a guy that hasn't played all year uh, come in and do that, but that's football, Jared. And that's, you know, at a certain point, you almost got to do what Jonathan Smith did, which is just be like, yeah, we didn't have much tape on him but, or any tape, but man, his first throw sure was on the money. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt it was there's like, no... I mean, it was, it was respect. Like, and I think at that point you're like, wow, he just had it. He was ready and he had it. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, sometimes things, things just happen that way. Uh, I mean, look at, look at uh, like Alabama, for example. Um, I think past two or maybe past two out of three of their championships were won by quarterbacks that weren't starting um, even going into to the game. So sometimes things like that happen. And again, you don't have film on the guy. You don't really know. The defense doesn't really know how to how to handle the situation. They just 
they carve you up. But as you said, that wasn't the case here. Uh, they didn't get carved up by any means. He played well, um, but 24 points again. Enough to – I mean, looking back at Oregon State season, I, I think that would have won them every game but like three, and two of those would have been ties um, with the only loss made to, to produce. So, I mean, 24 points from the defense, I, I, I don't see how you can throw the blame at, uh, at Coach Bray. I think 24 is, is fine. Um, so, I agree the defense did a good job. My good is not really quite as, as good, I would say. But really, I was so impressed by just the way that – you know, it's, it's the first time they've been in the situation that they were in in, 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 you know, multiple years. And they come out and they score a touchdown in less than a minute. Um, so, obviously, the preparation, at least in that aspect, was really good. There was a good game plan drawn up for, for that first possession. And, boy, were they effective moving the ball down the field and uh, in such a quick amount of time. And, you know, I think a lot of times people's nerves could have gotten the best of them in that, that situation. But it didn't happen. And they deserve credit for, for that. Not too much else, um, but they do deserve credit for that. And, you know, it was it was good to, to see them come out with that fire. And obviously it set a lot of uh, – I mean, it established a lot of false hope, I guess, because for them to not even score another touchdown the rest of the game after scoring one in less than one minute was, was certainly disappointing um, and definitely probably makes my ugly even more ugly when you think it wasn't just the second and third quarter. It was basically all of the first two after that first minute. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was proud of the way that they came out, didn't let the emotions get the best of them, and, and took care of business on that first possession. Without a doubt. And, you know, the other the other uh, uh, guy, I, I just want to give a shout-out just because, uh, you know, we talked about it, Jared. We said coming into this game, how much of a chip on his shoulder was Calvin Tyler Jr. going to have? And watching him throughout that game, I got to give him some credit. I got a chance to catch up with him after the game because, you know, he had been here for a few years and – remember covering his recruiting process and getting to know him pretty well before he ultimately transferred out and, you know, got a chance to, you know, give him some congratulations after the game. And, you know, I, I just got to give him credit. He played not to say that like anyone else didn't play hard, but you could tell Jared, his desire. Um, he gave Oregon state fits. And, you know, I, I think back to the other thing we talked about was the running game. And he was more effective and efficient than B.J. Baylor. And that's why I think Utah State was able to, you know, do what they were able to do on offense. Because, like you said, Ligas only threw for 171 yards. And I say only because, you know, typically Bonner when or just Utah State's quarterback in general had been in the high 200s, low 300s on a per-game basis. And the running backs were, you know, near not quite to 100 yards. So, you know, I, I, I thought that was an interesting thing. And as we kind of talked about, he was definitely fired up for that matchup. Oh, I'm, I can only imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you hate to be on the other side of it as a team, but also, I mean, you have to be proud for, for the performance that he had. So definitely was fun to, to see him do do what he did. Um, he was a little before my time, sort of, um, you know, like you mentioned, the, the recruiting process and all that. But obviously knowing the story, it was definitely – I'm sure it was a good feeling for him. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he and B.J. Baylor were both a part of the 2016 or 17 class. One of the two. I'm pretty sure they came in together. So, yeah, just a uh, definitely been around for a while. And, uh, you know, despite uh, Oregon State uh, falling in that game, uh, definitely one of those kind of in most sports moments uh, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's cool to see. So, again, that's how Jared and I uh, broke down that Utah State game. 
tough game for Oregon State to kind of stew on uh, heading into the offseason. But, Jared, before we kind of pivot and start moving towards uh, recruiting the offseason and, you know, potential changes and kind of looking ahead to, you know, uh, February signing day and then ultimately spring football, I'm curious, how do you think this game is going to sit with the team and coaches? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, man. I mean, I, I think, again, I think a lot of the guys, and, and this is kind of the mindset that I've taken towards, I think a lot of people are just proud that they were there. Um, and obviously, you want to set the bar higher. And, and to some people, I think people lost sight of that being the goal at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, we, we did we did say, and I think a lot of people agreed at the beginning of the year that it was kind of polar bust. There was no other real specifications or, or goals for this year, at least on our end. And, and, of course, there's room to improve, and there always should be and always will be. Um, but I was, I'm just proud that they were able to get there. Obviously, they, they definitely all wish that they would have, you know, ended it a little bit better. But just to get there, I think, was, was good. And hopefully they're not, you know, hanging their heads too much about the way the ball went. Obviously, again, under, understand and recognize that there's a lot to improve on. Um, but also don't discredit what you did throughout the season and, and, you know, just set the bar higher for next year and, and, you know, keep moving up. Without doubt, we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the two newsy items in case um, anyone uh, missed it uh, since the bowl game. Um, obviously, the day before the bowl game, uh, linebacker Avery Roberts announced his intention to uh, declare for the NFL draft. And then the day after the bowl game on Sunday, uh, tight end Tegan Quatoriano uh, announced his intention to declare for the draft as well. Jared, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody else kind of surprises the players in the draft. I think there could still be uh, a name or two. Um, so far, like just, you know, I, I wasn't too surprised with Quatoriano uh, and Roberts, and I still think we could see a little bit of attrition with maybe guys hitting the portal and and those kind of things uh, in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to watch for. I agree. There's probably going to be – or not probably. There will probably definitely be some more names – uh, they, they, you know, come through as, as time moves on, but you just got to deal with it. There's always going to be attrition, especially in today's college football world. Um, so just got to take it as it comes. And that's why, you know, that's why they recruit so hard so they can reload and, and get to a point where they're really reloading instead of rebuilding. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the way it's kind of funny, Jared, it's like a, a coach, like when he comes into a locker room full of a team, right. And, you know, he's starting to like every year, like that coach is like, I am going out selling, like trying to find players who can eventually overtake your position. You know what I mean? Like that's what coaches are like on the road doing recruiting is eventually trying to bring in more talented guys and bring in, you know, keep building up, especially in the case of Oregon state is to just overall elevate that level of talent. Like, you know, Oregon state, they lose some good guys, you know, you know, look at this, this class of, you know, just to name a few, uh, you know, the Trayvon Bradford, Nathan Eldridge, um, Keontae Shad, you know, Andre Hughes Murray, you know, guys that have been around and, you know, for a while. And, you know, the, the goal is to continue to elevate that talent level of the program and keep bringing in uh, more talented guys. And we can kind of use this as our segue, Jared. I think they did that. You know, I had several people kind of asking me down in LA just in conversation what I thought of the recruiting class. And, you know, it still remains to be seen uh, between now and February, the last editions uh, and pieces. But in more ways than one, just my opinion now, I think this is shaping up to be 
Smith's best class. If he can continue to put pieces together, maybe add in a few more tweaks here and there. I really like how this group is coming together uh, for Oregon State this year. Yeah, no doubt. It, it was definitely a good class. Um, if you listen to our pre-signing day podcast, you heard us break down all the players. There's definitely a lot of upside uh, to a lot of these guys. And, you know, it's going to be exciting to, to see how it unfolds. I mean, again, as you said, there's a lot of time left and there's going to be some more pieces before the late period. And, and they can definitely ranking wise, you know, move it up to to the best that it's ever been under under Coach Smith. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months. Um, but yeah, really, really good class. And, and yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? When you're going out and finding new talent is, you know, just, hey, players on the team, don't think about it now, but this person's going to have your job in a couple of years. Uh, at least that's what you hope for. I mean, you hope that they'll come in and develop and, and, and you know, have the job pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but you also have to continue developing the guys that are already there. That way that doesn't happen. So it's kind of a weird line. Without a doubt. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things, Jared, where you and I, for, for you know, having covered this program now for several years, like it, it kind of hit me after the bowl game. Like next year, Kyrie Fisher and Easton Mascarenas are going to – like Easton Mascarenas is going to be asked to fill a big-time role uh, for Avery Roberts. We saw him play – you know, some extended snaps in that LA bowl. You think about how, you know, next year it'll be Luke Musgrave and then Jake Overman and Tommy Spencer will be heavily relied upon uh, to fill Tegan Quatoriano's massive shoes, quite literally, he's a big human being. So, you know, they're, they're, it's going to, it's, it's kind of cool to see that, that natural, you know, kind of progression of guys rising up in the system. And you and I have known and we've talked about why, you know, We've seen the levels of depth, and that's why from a position such as uh, Quatoriano at tight end, I think the Beavers are built to absorb a loss there very well. Same with linebacker because of how well they've, they've recruited uh, at the positions. But, Jared, just because we're on the subject, do you think Oregon State considers another quarterback now that Sam Vidlak has made his intentions known, or do you think they're pretty comfortable with where they're at uh, currently, obviously, some pretty shocking news, at least to me. I, I'm not sure if it was quite as surprising to you um, that Sam Vidlak announced he's going to be uh, entering the transfer portal after just not even a year uh, in Corvallis. Played one game, uh, played a, a couple series against Idaho, went two of three uh, for eight yards, I believe. And uh, he was kind of that that young a young guy that was up and coming in this program, Jared, obviously we've talked to him extensively. Uh, I believe we had him on this podcast. If I'm correct me, if I'm wrong, do we have Sam on this podcast? Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. I think we did. So, and just kind of knew everything and how kind of, you know, orange, like orange and black, like he was deep down. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely surprising. Definitely. wasn't just you that was surprised. I mean, you, you really you really have to kind of ask why sir I, I, for a lot of reasons it's just the head scratcher I, I, I truly don't understand it if you'll remember and if anybody listening to this remembers Sam was committed to Montana for for a while um, and really happily committed as well prior to, to flipping to Oregon State um, so I do wonder if maybe that's a thing that, that they're going to be considering again. Obviously, a, a Oregon, a homegrown native, um, but 
going to be interesting to see if that's the route he does decide to go. I, I, I do remember it was a really tough decision for him. Obviously, uh, Montana being the, an incredible state. And, and not only that, but that program's a really good program as well. So I know that was tough for him. Not saying that's where he's going to go uh, at all. But those, the, I do have to wonder if that has anything to do with it. To answer your question, looking at the roster um, after Vidlak being gone and, you know, thinking maybe if there could be any other attrition, I think you definitely would, would probably like to get one other person, be it through the portal or, uh, you know, from high school. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to find out who that person is going to be because I, I do think it's going to be necessary to, to add one more. The other thing uh, that I'm, I'm skeptical about, and I know nothing, I'm just – I'm skeptical – Tristan Jebbia was hurt this entire year. As far as my understanding was, I don't know if he was ever really close to being like ready to go in a game if he was called upon. I'm curious what his status is going to be going in next year. Right now, Jared, there's a big question mark and a circle for me whether or not he'll be here next year in the capacity that he was this year as well, and with him being a scholarship guy. Again, purely just my speculation, but just where I'm thinking right now. No, I, I definitely agree, and that's why I think that it would be wise for them to go ahead and, and try to make one more addition to the class at the quarterback spot. Um, and I, I, I think they're in that same line of thinking as well. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting and should make for a fun February signing period if, if they add someone from high school. Without a doubt, and Jared, a quick sidebar, totally unrelated to anything else in this podcast, but you, you got my juices flowing. Montana is an awesome state. Do you watch Yellowstone? Oh, boy, do I. Oh, my guy. My guy. My guy. <laughs> it's probably, probably my favorite show of all time, Larry King. Yeah. No, it's um, for any of, any of those uh, edgers that uh, are listening um, or, you know, anyone that's prospectively listening to this podcast, if you haven't watched Yellowstone, you're missing out on the best show in television. And then uh, the prequel that they just launched uh, very recently, too, that's uh, – on Paramount Plus, wow, goodness gracious! It's uh, I mean, golly, just being two episodes in, I was already, already so hooked and felt so in touch with those characters, man. It's going to be a great show. Let me tell you, um, uh, I, I like seeing Tim McGraw on the big screen, man. That that that's a good look for Tim. Yeah, he plays the part really well, and it, it's definitely a. It's, both both shows are really awesome. Um, like Brandon said, if you haven't started watching it or you have plans to watch it, or even if you don't, just figure it out and give it a, give it a <laughs> shot. Get past the first episode of Yellowstone, at least, because that one is probably the slowest one of the yep. entire series. Um, but once you get past that, I can almost assure you that, that you'll be hooked. But Montana is the best, man. Montana. <laughs> I've got some actually, and, and it's, it's, it's awesome. Oh, Jared, I, I'm not even going to lie to you. There's, There's been, like, at least – Yellowstone's been on for, for four years now, if you can believe it, uh, four season. I remember, like, at least, like, once in every, like, last year, been like, oh, yeah, no, I got to go to Montana just to visit, like, where they film Yellowstone. Like, this looks really, really cool. So, you know, like, total little sidebar there. But, uh, yeah, just had to shout that out, uh, Yellowstone. Jared and I uh, might have to uh, – now that I know that, Jared, I think you and I are going to have a whole new uh, – Whole new thing to text about than we already do on a weekly basis. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm down to talk Yellowstone with anybody that wants to. That's, that'll be good stuff for sure. But again, uh, Montana sidebars uh, aside, it'll be interesting to uh, see where, obviously, where Sam Vidlak ends up. And again, uh, without Sam, currently the Beavers have 
Chance Nolan, Tristan Jebbia, uh, Ben Goldbrinson, and incoming freshman uh, Travis Throckmorton uh, as the scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. So going to be something very interesting to keep an eye on there. But, Jared, just to kind of um, look ahead to, uh, you know, just kind of what's going to be coming up, I'm curious for you as we stick on the recruiting class, what do you think are the biggest positions of need between now and February? Uh, well, I think definitely having Vidlak out puts, puts quarterback up there pretty high. Otherwise, I would certainly say receiver. Um, if, you look, if you look up and down the, the, the list, that's the one position that you can't find. So mm. it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there, whether it's, again, whether it's through the portal or what. No receivers in the class so far. So I definitely think that is the one that I would circle. Yeah, that's a, that's that's an obvious one, obviously, for, for those wondering, you know, who might be looking up the Beaver's Edge commitment list. Uh, why listed, quote-unquote, wide receiver Sam Mason is expected to play defensive back for Oregon State. So as it currently constitutes, as Jared mentioned, no receivers in the class. That's a big position for me, Jared. And uh, I'm going to go with the easy one. I, I, I still think the Beavers could use another uh, defensive lineman or two. So, I, you know, I'd always like to see that. And, um, you know, Quincy Wright was a great um, defensive tackle. Would I like to see another guy roughly his same build? Yeah, I think that would be something very interesting and helpful for where Oregon State is. They got a couple of solid edge rushers, I think, in um, Takari Hickel and uh, Matthias Malachi Donaldson, obviously on the edges. But uh, a little more size uh, in the middle of the trenches would definitely be something that uh, I'm intrigued with as well. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as we linger into February. As, again, it's going to be a little bit slow as, you know, the timing of the bowl game and everything. The coaches will, you know, likely be taking recruiting a little bit and, you know, taking uh, parts of the uh, um, parts of the holiday off and then obviously getting back into a flow. Um, and I believe signing day, Jared, is February 14th or 15th this year, somewhere somewhere in that range. So. Um, back towards the uh, the middle of February is when things will uh, finalize for the class, obviously. But the other thing I wanted to uh, bring up just for us to talk about, Jared, do you expect any wholesale changes uh, in terms of staff? Obviously, it's been well documented and noted that uh, a few of the assistant coaches uh, have contracts that will be up at the end of this year. And it's going to be interesting to see who kind of, you know, if Smith kind of keeps his staff exactly the same wholesale or if there's a few tweaks along the way. Obviously, the the major uh, changes that were made midseason, Trent Bray got the job permanently. Uh, Kendrick Van Ockeren is currently the interim inside linebackers coach. So it's possible they could be looking for a linebackers coach. It's possible Kendrick Van Ockeren could be uh, elevated that full-time position. Um, and then there's a few other position coaches, don't have it right in front of me, who had those uh, contracts that are up. Personally, Jared, um, if I were a bet man right now, I would say I think it's possible that they could go out and search for a linebacker's coach. Um, that's what I think would be the more likely scenario, just because, you know, Kendrick Van Ockeren wasn't promoted at the same time as Trent Bray. That interim label still remains with him. Uh, and I believe he got elevated to be a first-time, you know, uh, position coach at the time. So they could be looking for some experience there. That would be something that I could see. But as far as, you know, maybe some of the other position coaches, um, I don't think anybody's going anywhere. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think, obviously, uh, 
again, room to improve, and there always will and, and should be. But I, I think people should be mostly proud with the the staff and the performance of the each position group this year. Um, you know, if, if you don't see improvement next year, maybe then you can talk about that. Or it is interesting with the, with the contract situation that certainly kind of throws a, a more of a wrench in there. But you know, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of good things happening, and also you can't pitch that the the staff at Oregon State has been super stable, obviously with the exceptions of, of Coach Petrie and and uh, and um, you know Coach Bray being elevated to to the defensive coordinator position. But otherwise, I mean, it's been a pretty stable staff, and I think that a lot of guys do look for for something like that. So it's going to be interesting. If I again, if I had to bet, similar to you, I don't think I would bet on any changes. Um, but certainly, have been wrong before. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's interesting. It actually took me a minute because I was like, are those the only uh, staff changes? But then I realized that um, Jonathan Smith's first year, uh, Greg Burns was the defensive backs coach, and he uh, only spent one year uh, on staff before Blue Adams obviously came in. And I believe that with the combined that you, the, the two that you obviously mentioned, it has been complete staff consistency. And Jared, that means something on the recruiting trail, does it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not like the most important thing, but it's certainly, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, you see guys like uh, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly just up and, and, and dipping out of nowhere. Um, it definitely means something. Without a doubt. And I'm surprised you didn't mention a certain name a little further south that, you know, took off and flew to uh, the great state of Florida just as soon as he could. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I can't blame I can't blame people in some situations. The Brian <laughs> Kelly move, I mean, seemed interesting to me. And Lincoln Riley, I, I definitely see why Lincoln Riley made his move. But yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah there's Brian a- Brian Kelly's surprising to me. But here's the thing, Jared. Like, I could be totally wrong. The most the greatest thing about Brian Kelly leaving may be unearthing Marcus Freeman. He just listened to how he carries himself and how he talks. I got a chance to listen to a couple of his interviews. Um, not like I need to hype up Notre Dame for, for no reason other than just to talk, but I was, it was kind of cool. I, I really liked how he, how he spoke. It was a, uh, he's definitely a, a guy. I mean, I think he's going to do some good things up there. No, I definitely agree with that. The one without a doubt, he's going to be, he's going to be good. And we also would have never realized that Brian Kelly has a, a secret Southern accent that he, he has. <laughs> Just just a few hours after landing that in Baton Rouge. So there's yeah, my- <laughs> he had to get the little uh, my family. Ah. I mean, you know, for, for somebody, Jared, that, you know, I think was born in either Boston, Massachusetts, somewhere up in the Northeast, got a good little uh, Southern draw going uh, down in Baton Rouge. Man, I mean, I, I would <laughs> see how it evolved over time, but. Like you said, man, I, I've I've lived in Georgia for 23 years, and I don't even say family like that. So <laughs> it was crazy to hear. <laughs> so I gotta. So do you say y'all though? Oh, I mean, probably a hundred times a day. Yeah, like I say it quite a bit, and I think it's kind of rare for me to say it up here in Oregon. Like people look at me all the time, but it's a great way just to like group group people in, like y'all. Like it, it works. So that that's the little southernism I got working up here in the uh, in the great PNW. But but yeah, it's going to be an exciting time, you know, as we kind of start to you know work our way in. I think as Jared was mentioning before we uh, started talking uh, about coaching and coaches moving was just kind of 
you know, the fact that stability is what Oregon State's pride it, pr- taken pride in, I guess is the right way to say it there. You know, that's something they've kind of stamped their program on as since Jonathan Smith has come here, staff consistency and having guys, you know, that, you know, believe in the program and, you know, believe in wanting to see kind of the rebuild. And now that the rebuild's done all, or, you know, in a sense, the rebuild is complete, you know, that was what he wanted. Jonathan was to have, you know, coaches that were going to see the process through. And I think that's what we've continued uh, to see, obviously. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, I think Jared and I, when we, you know, recorded this podcast, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how, Hey, you know, we didn't know if, you know, Trent Bray would be named the interim defensive coordinator until after the season. And lo and behold, a couple of days later, boom, there it is. He happens to be permanent DC and it happens. So, I'm sure this is something that Jonathan Smith is really diving into and getting, um, you know, kind of knee deep in as far as evaluating the season and all that. So going to be a lot to, to stay close with uh, here on Beaver's Edge. So we'll uh, make sure to uh, keep you guys uh, fully locked in as uh, we get through the holidays and start to gear up uh, for January and February. And then ultimately uh, spring football uh, on the horizon. My early guess on that would be probably be a similar format to the, this last year where, um, they will likely probably kick that off in April, but we've seen it start in March and May and even February before. So very interesting to see how that all shakes out. But regardless, Oregon State currently has 16 signees uh, from the early signing period, good for 52nd in the country per rivals. As Jared and I mentioned this podcast, Jonathan Smith and company will be looking to build upon that number, uh, potentially add in uh, some more pieces Notably, wide receiver, maybe quarterback, maybe defensive line to kind of get those numbers uh, back up again and kind of see how far, how high they can get that class to climb. So that'll go ahead and do it for us here on this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com. We'll have uh, a whole bunch of coverage, post-season uh, coverage, obviously wrapping up, analyzing, breaking down the season. Uh, Jared and I will continue to have a few pieces here kind of breaking down the recruiting class. Uh, he'll obviously have uh, updates as we kind of get closer to the February signing period, we start to piece together maybe who Oregon State's going after uh, on the recruiting trail and so on and so forth. So it's going to still be a busy time at Beaver's Edge. You know, just because the football season is over doesn't mean we've stopped here at Beaver's Edge. We're going to keep bringing you guys wall-to-wall coverage, and we've got another signing day on the horizon than spring football. So it's all go, no quit. We keep the pedal to the metal here, and uh, it's going to be an exciting time. But just want to go ahead and uh, wish a happy holidays. Uh, to everyone out there following this podcast from all of us here at beaversedge.com and a happy holidays to you, Jared. I, I hope you have a, a, a happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, I should say, and, and a happy new year and uh, hope uh, you have a, a good uh, relaxing uh, end of this part of the month, my friend. Yeah. Likewise. I mean, for yourself and, and for everybody listening, it's, it's a great time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year personally. So I'm excited to uh, be able to spend the time with the family and everything. And hopefully everybody listening will be able to, to get to experience that themselves. Stay healthy, uh, stay safe, and eat a lot of good food. And just enjoy the time. I mean, it, it very, folks, it very clearly is Jared's favorite time of the year, given that his Christmas tree has been up since before Thanksgiving. So, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. You said it. You hear, so- that? You hear that, folks? No no shame. No, no Nothing from Jared. He's proud. He proud to have had that Christmas tree up since before Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I definitely know uh, the Christmas is uh, your favorite holiday, Jerry, for sure. <laughs> hey, it's not always since before Thanksgiving. The day after Halloween, to be more specific. So, yeah, sure. Exactly. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and process that, folks, as I kind of head into because he conveniently left that out when we were talking about the podcast a couple months ago or a month and a half ago. He's like, oh, my Christmas tree's up, but he didn't tell me put it up November 1. Oh. Yeah, that's the, that's the only day you can put it up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go process that, folks, and then get ready for uh, the holidays myself. But uh, no, all jokes aside, Jared, uh, it was awesome catching up and uh, talking uh, some end of season with you. And uh, uh, you stay safe as well. And uh, I will talk to you uh, talk to you soon, man. And once again, just want to thank everybody uh, for listening on this edition of the Edge podcast. We hope you guys have a happy holidays and uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another edition of the Edge podcast.